Okay, we're going to begin here on the bottom of Ted Vavam with bed, about 18 lines up. Tanobanan. Marata Esther Shzimnataman. What was Esther thinking when she invited Haman to the Suda, to the Mishteh that she has? Belozomer Pachim Tamnalo. That she was trying to ensnare him. She was setting up traps for him. Shnehemar. That their tables should be before them, like uh, to ensnare them or to make them into a trap. She learned it from the house of her forefathers. Because it says in Mishlei, So if your enemy is hungry, you should feed him. So over here, she brought him to the Su'uda. That she wanted to keep him in sight because she was afraid that he was actually going to rebel and possibly overthrow Achashverosh. He said that the Sha'am Sacheketlo, things were going well for Haman right now, and maybe he thought that he could take over the whole kingdom. There's a way to throw people off her scent that she was Jewish because by inviting Haman, who's clearly a Jew hater, that made it or seem like she wasn't a Jew. So the Jews shouldn't say, we have a sister in the king's palace. And therefore they say, ah, we're all safe. She'll take care of us. And we don't have to daven anymore. So she wanted them to realize that things were still on the line. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know how well known it was. Just a note on this, that there are two different stories that are happening. There's the story as you read it in the Megillah. And there's the story as you read it in the Gemara. In the story in the Megillah, there is a small religious note that's taking place where Esther asks, says, I'm going to fast, please go and, you know, have the people beseech Hashem on my behalf. But as far as knowing that they're Jewish or making it clear that it's Jewish, that's something that doesn't seem to be true. I Meaning the only way that Haman knows that Mordechai is Jewish is because he tells the other advisors at the time that he's Jewish. Otherwise, they didn't know he was Jewish. And the same would be true for Esther. So I'm saying, as far as reading the Megillah itself, then you wouldn't get that impression. When you read the Chazal, and the way the Chazal described Mordechai and Esther, they are leaders of the generation. He's part of the Anshay Knesset Agdola. She's his first cousin. All of those things would indicate that they did know that they were Jewish. So if you look at through the prism of the Megillah itself, then you would say they probably did not know. If you look at through the prism of Chazal, which we're speaking by now, then they probably did know she was Jewish according to that prism of Chazal, and that's, I think they're commenting in that context. He suggests that he, she tried to keep him in her presence at all times to see if she could find an opening in order to trip him up. That maybe it was a way to engender or facilitate Rachamim in Hashemayim because she was willing to invite her enemy and she had to take care of her enemy. That's one possibility Rashi notes. Or that Hashem will see that I have to patronize and I have to be machnif this individual and be mezazel bikfodi so that he'll bring us a miracle because he realizes what we have to go through right now. Rabbi Shua ben Karcha Omer, Asbir lo panim, Kadeshi hu vihi. I will try to seduce him or entice him and that get the king to think that there's something going on between us and then we'll both be killed. Or she says that maybe one of us would die and that would undo the gzeirah. We actually saw this earlier in the Gemara and Tanit that there was 
some sort of misora was true with regards to the Romans. Here, the Gemara is applying it to the Persians as well. That if Xero was put in place and one of the leaders of the government passed away, they saw that as a bad omen, and they removed the Xera. So Rabbi Gamliel Omer Melech Hafach Vachan Haya. He was a king known to change his mind. He was very fickle. So she figured if she had Haman there and the king was fickle, that maybe something would change or she could get him to change his mind about something. Amar Rabbi Gamliel, Adain Tzrichimanu Lemodai. We still need the Modai, the Tanya of Lezar Modai. Omer Kinato Bemelech Kinato Basarim. She engendered a certain amount of jealousy in the king as well as in the Sarim. So this way she could pretend that there was something going on between her and Haman or the fact that Haman was invited. And that would make Ahasuerus start to question about why was Haman invited. And then she could sort of entrap Haman through that process. So we have the Part of this idea is that the king of Hashver is obviously going to be paranoid about someone trying to take over the Mahut. And if she keeps inviting Haman to the Mishteh along with the Hashverosh, the king starts to wonder about this guy Haman. In addition to the fact when he invites Haman in, when he's thinking about what he should do for Mordechai, he asks Haman what he should do. And then Haman tells him, well, anybody like that, you should do such and such and such. He gives a whole list of items that they should do, which we're going to mention in the Gemara upcoming. And then, all of a sudden, we find that Achashverosh says to him, do that to Mordechai. But if you look carefully at the story, the difference between what was told by Haman to the king versus what the king tells Haman to do, there's one thing that changes. The one thing that changes is the Keter Machut. That Haman says that when he should do it, when he thinks it's going to happen to him, he says, yeah, and you should give him the king's crown. And Achashverosh basically starts to realize that Haman is looking for the king's crown. When he tells him to do that to Mordechai, he leaves that out of the picture. He does not tell him to put the crown of the king on Mordechai. And so this statement over here about Rabbi Lazar Amodai is very similar again, which is that he indicates here that she was made the king jealous of him, and she made the princesses jealous of him, so that she engendered this feeling that Haman was really trying to usurp the power of Achashverosh. We already have that story with Mordechai, and now again she keeps inviting Haman along with the king, which seems to imply that either she sees something in Haman, or Haman is at that sort of level with the king. And that causes, or then leads to whatever happens afterwards when she fingers Haman as being the evil one. Rabbah Amar, Lipnei Shever Gaon, that before destruction comes pride. So that the Ga'ava leads to destruction. So she wanted to build up Haman so that he would have this sort of pride or haughtiness about him which would lead to destruction. When they're in the heated state, I will take care of them in their feasts. So here Rashi says this references to Belshazzar after he returns from the battle with Koresh and Daryavish, where he's successful in the battle. He comes back and he celebrates with a big feast and dies at that feast on that day. And according to Chazal, where Vashti is a daughter of Belshazzar, so they see this as the continuation of that tradition 
that they would be caught at their feasts. So therefore she sees that that's been the precedent. You lost Belshazzar at a feast, you lost Vashti at a feast, so she should get Haman into a feast because during that point in time when they are drinking and they get drunk, that it could end up that Hashem will take care of them or capture them in that moment. So Ashkachei Rabba Baravuna the Look, we have all these reasons given as to why Esther invited Haman. And he wants to know which one of them is right. Gives a very politically correct answer. And he says, it's like all the Tanaim and all the Amoraim. He says, they're all right. In that when she did it, her intentions were for all those items that they mentioned. But this is the, the idea of Shivim Panim, the Torah, that there are many different nuances and aspects of the Torah. And each one of them was picking up on a certain aspect of what was going through Esther's head at the time and why she invited Amman to the Mishteh. So now we're going to continue the darshan, the psukim, and the Megillah. It's a pair of them, Haman, et kvodo shrov, rov banav. Vekama rov banav. How many, what is rov banav? Amarav, lamet. He had 30 children. Asara metu, 10 had passed away. Asara nitlu, 10 of them were hung. Uh, ten of them were hanged. And ten of them now are beggars going around to the doors and collecting. Those that are going around collecting and begging at the doors, Shivim Ava, are really seventy. So there, the Gemara is taking a play on the word, which there means those that are satisfied with bread. But now he's saying, instead of altikras ve'im, those that are satisfied, ela shivim, 70. Rami Bava Amar Kulan, the amount here is matayim u'shmonavu. There were 208 of them, shnamar, v'rov banav. V'rov v'gematria matan v'rbesaravu. Wait a minute. V'rov in gematria doesn't equal 208. It equals 214. Because they're counting the v'rov. So you have two vavs is 12. And then you have the ratio is 200, it's 212, plus the bed is 2, is 214. And he's saying it's 208. This is, It's written in chaser. It's written in chaser. There's one vav missing that gets you to the 28. On that night, the sleep of the king was disturbed. Malko Shalolam. That that's not just about speaking about Achashverosh, but the idea that the Melech that is mentioned in the Megillah references not only Achashverosh, but also references Akkadish Baruch Hu, that Hashem also lost sleep on that night, meaning that he needed to change the script at that point in time. And that's what it means, Nadadash Nad Malko Shalolam. Kilu. Rabbanan Amrein Nadadu Elyonim Nadadu Tachtonim. That it affected those above and those below. As Rashi says in the duel, Yonim, Sheyu Malachim, Avilim, Otokolalayla. They were disturbing him all night. Ramlulo, Kafui Tova. You are a ingrate. You never took care of those people that took care of you. Ve'yeshomrim, Rashi brings another interpretation, Naduel Yonim, Kadeshi Yerbu, Betachnonim, Levakeshal Adavar. That they were driving things so that people would, they would have to ask for, or dive into Hashem in order that they should have salvation. Rav Amar, Shnat HaMelech, Shnat HaMelech HaChashverosh, Mamash. It was HaChashverosh's sleep that was disturbed. So, Nafla Emilta Bedate. Something came into his head. He got this thought stuck in his head. Amar, 
Maite Kaman is a minte Esther Haman. What is going on that Esther keeps inviting Haman to the party, to the Mishteh? This is similar to what Rav Lazar Modai said before about Esther engendering a certain amount of jealousy in Achashverosh. So this is exactly what's going through his head. He says, why is she inviting Haman on to all these Mishteh, all these Mishtot? So Dilma Eitza Kashakli Ilave. Maybe he's planning something against me. He says that maybe he's intending to kill me or overthrow me. And maybe Esther's in on this. So he thinks in his head, well, aren't there people who like me around here who would let me know if there was some sort of plan to overthrow me? There was a coup that was being planned over here. He says, hmm, maybe there was somebody who helped me out in the past and I didn't pay him back. Therefore, people won't reveal it to me or won't tell me because they say that I'm not grateful. I don't take care of those people who disclose this information. So he says, bring out the book in order that he can hear what was going on. Now the Gemara is moving through the Perak Vav and saying, So here the Gemara says, What does it mean? That they were read by themselves. I mean, it spoke for itself. That nobody had to read them. They were as if it was being read by itself. And it says, So now the Gemara says, It should say, that it was already it should be in the past tense that it was found written there. So what does that mean that it's in the present tense that it's being written? So we learn from this Shamshai is a Sofer Amelech. It was one of the king's scribes who was a hater of the Jews and he was from the time of Korish. He's mentioned in Sefer Ezra that he was one of the people that wrote the Sitna, wrote to stop the building of the Beit HaMikdash, Yudei Klal Yisrael. And then Rashi connects that even to the time of Hashverosh, which is mentioned also that there was a Sitna in the time of Hashverosh. So he says that that same scribe was the one who was doing it in both cases. And he was out to make sure that things didn't go well for the Jews. So he suggests here that he was erasing that story that was written about Mordechai, the Gabriel Kotev. And Gabriel kept writing it back in. And that's why it's written in the present tense of Kotev, that it was literally being written again because it kept getting erased. Amar Rabbi Darosh Rabbi Shila Ishkvart Marta Umak Katav Shilamata Shilazukhutan Shisel Enunimchak. You see down here writing in the human world, which is for the benefit of the merit of Klal Yisrael, Enunimchak doesn't get erased. Something that is written above, sealed or decreed above for the benefit of Klai Yisrael, certainly that will be carried out and will be to the benefit of Klai Yisrael. So then the king asks, what did they do for Mordechai Melech? It says, Nothing was done for his benefit. Those people that were reading this or advising the king at that time, it wasn't because they found or had any love for Mordechai, 
but rather because they disliked Haman. Right, in the sense that even if they didn't like Mordechai, my enemy's enemy is my friend. So since Mordechai was the person that bothered Haman, or was the one that was the anti-Haman, so because of that, they said that we want Mordechai to be taken care of. So then, Mordechai, we know at that time that Haman shows up. He wants to hang him on the tree that he had prepared for him. So what is Vehichin Lo? Tano Lo Hechin. That Hechin Lo, which means that he prepared for him, him being Mordechai. So the Brayta says, you have to read it, Lo Hechin. That it ended up being prepared for him. Meaning Haman himself. So then Vasekin the Mordechai. After Haman gives a description of what he would do for somebody that the king wanted to show kindness and favor towards, the king says to Haman, Go make sure that you do this to Mordechai. So then Haman says to him, Who's this Mordechai? Amalei, a Yehudi? Mordechai a Yehudi. Amalei, Tuva Mordechai, Ika Yudai. There are many people named Mordechai in the Jews. Amalei, Hayoshev, Bishar Amelch. The one that sits by the gate of the king or the gate of the palace. Very similar to the Midrash by Rachel Bitchak Tana. When Yaakov asked Lavan, says Rachel, but not any Rachel, Bitcha, your daughter, and don't change your daughter's name, Haktana, the younger one. And the same thing with the Akeda Titzchak. When God appears to Avraham, he says, There again, Ben, he goes through, and then finally he says Yitzchak. But the same idea that he's trying to narrow down the possibilities of who this is. So he makes it clear who this Mordechai is. So why can't you just give him one village or one river which he'll get the tax revenues from and that's enough for him? You know what? Good idea. We'll give him that too. Not only will it do whatever we said before, don't leave out anything that you had stated. So not only the stuff that was mentioned before but the additional items that Haman mentioned. He goes to find Mordechai and he finds the Rabbonin sitting before him. He was teaching them the halachot of Kemitza. Rashi says the reason he was teaching them the halachot of Kemitza was because it was in Yon Yom. It was in Yon Yoma because it was the 16th of Nisan, which was the day of the Omer. It was the day of the Omer. You have to do a Kemitza for the Omer. So based on that, Rashi actually dates the process here and says that the days that they fasted were the 14th, 15th, and 16th. Those were the three days that they fasted. And the 16th was the final day of the fast in which this story takes place, where Mordechai is driven around and then finally Haman gets killed on that day. It's not necessarily in consonance with other Midrashim that suggest that the fast was 13th, 14th, and 15th, or there are other Mitzvahim of the Targum who has a different count, but at least according to the way Rashi views this Gemara, is that this would took place on the 16th of Nisan that Mordechai is teaching him this item. Kevan the Chazia Mordechai, 
When Kornel Mordechai gets wind of the fact that Haman's coming, the Apik the Kable that he's coming with him is to say, Mechad Biyadei, and he has this horse in his hands, Mirta, he started to shake, he was fearful. Amar the Rabbanan, he says to the Rabbanan, This Russia is coming to kill me. Zilumi Kamei, go run away from in front of me, that you should not be singed by his coal. Meaning that you don't, I don't want you to get hurt in this process, so you guys should leave because he's coming to kill me. Mordechai gets up, wraps himself up in his talus, and he gets up to Davin. So Haman comes and sits and waits for him. And he sits around and waits until Mordechai finishes his tefillah. Amrlahu, but Mayaskitu, he asked the Rabbanon the word that Talmudim there around, what were you guys learning? Amrlai, Bizman, Shabbat Mikdash Kayam, the time that the Beit Mikdash was extant. Again, this is the view of Chazal, that Migilat Esther takes place between the time that Zubavel goes back and starts to build in time of Koresh and before the Yavish Sheni, where the Mikdash is finally completed. This is still within the 70 years of Galut Bavel. Man Diminadev, Mincha maite male kumse de sulta. And someone who donates a mincha brings a fistful of solet, a fine flour, umit kaperle, and then he gets kapara. It's interesting that the chachamim at that time answered this based on what Rashi says. Rashi said he was Dorish in Inyana Dioma, which was talking about a kometz of a chova, of a minchat omer. And here they're talking about a kometz of a minchat nidava, or maybe even of a Chatat, for an oleo yoreid, but the chatat that comes as a mincha. So that's interesting, because that differs from what Rashi seems to indicate before. Your fistful of, or comets full of this solet, of this flower, came and overrode or knocked off the 10,000 kikare kesef that I gave, talents of silver that I gave, which he had paid to a Hashverosh in order to permit him to annihilate the Jews. Tosfet over here says that that Asara Fekikare Kaspa says Shamati Shasara Fekikar Kesef Olim Chasi Shekel to Kolachad Misrael. That equals to a half shekel for everybody from Kal Yisrael, the six hundred thousand people. Problem is that that math doesn't work out because if you look in the Chumash, the Chumash gives you the count of how many Kikare Kesef there are, and it doesn't come anywhere near ten thousand. If you look on the Bach, the Bach comes up with a calculation and says, no, it's not for one year. But rather, it's the Chatzit Shekel that would be given by the 600,000 over a period of time from the age that they were 20 until they were 70, because that was the average lifespan of a person, Shavim Shana. So from 20 to 70 is 50 years. So if you multiply by 50, then it comes out to this number. But the basic idea is that Haman sees his plan being unwound here, and the Chazal are pointing out that it's this Lima the Torah that is causing it to override the, the what Haman had put in place, or the Shkalim they put in place. We have the other Midrashim that say that your, the Shkalim of Israel came before the Shkalim of Haman. And that's part of why we read Pashat Shkalim going into the month of Adar. That the Shkalim that we gave in the time of the Midbar preceded the Shkalim of Haman and they overrode or they were able to undermine the plan of Haman. Amar 
So they said to him, Russia, Evid Shekana Nechassim, Evid Lemi Unechassim Lemi. And Evid, a servant or a slave that is, acquires money or acquires possessions. Who does the slave belong to and who does the possession belong to? Of course, to the owner. This goes back to the Agarato that mentioned before that Haman was an Evid to Mordechai. So therefore, the money that he gave to Achashverosh really wasn't his money. That's what they're pointing out. Says, put on this clothing and come ride on the horse. Because the king wants to see you. I can't do that. Until I go into the bathhouse and I cut my hair. The way I look, it's not proper for me to go ahead and use or put on the clothing of the king. Partly because he had been fasting for three days now, and therefore he didn't feel that he was in a presentable state. So Shadra Esther, Vesertinu Dukulu Beibani. Esther somehow got wind of this and shuts down all the bathhouses in the city. And all of the barbers in the city. So Aili Ihu the Beibani. So therefore there's only one person left to take care of Mordechai now, and that's Haman. He takes him into the bathhouse, he washes him, and he goes and gets a pair of scissors from his house, and he cuts his hair. So at the time that he's doing the cutting, either he gets hurt, or he has this pang, and he sighs. Why are you sighing? Person who was more important to the king than all the other ministers. I became now a bathhouse attendant and a barber. Weren't you the barber for the city or the village of Khartoum? And we have this Misora and Abraita. Haman he was the barber for the village of Khartoum for 22 years. So therefore he goes, you're just going back to your roots. So after he cut his hair, he puts the clothing that Achashverosh sent onto Mordechai. He says, mount the horse and ride. He says, I can't do it. My, I'm too weak because he's been fasting for three days. I'm just too weak. I can't get up on the horse. Mimetanita, because of the fast. Gochin. So Haman has to bend down. Vesalik, kisalik badbe. So Haman bends down to pick him up or allow him to step on him to go up. While he's going up, he gives him a good kick. Samalei, lok tivdechu. Isn't it written in Mishlei, bin folei vecha al tismach? You're not supposed to rejoice at the downfall of your enemies. Clearly, that's what was taking place over here. Samalei, hani milei bi Israel. That's only true by Jews. It comes to you. You should stomp on their high places, on their bamot. So there is no requirement of a binfolevecha al tismach in that case. That was one of the answers that we spoke about back on Daf Yudam and Bet. Towards the end of the Daf where we spoke about this issue, binfolevecha al tismach. This is one of the distinctions that's made here, the difference between whether it's talking about Israel or it's talking about another nation. Like, and then he has to do this, and he gets him dry, dressed up, and it says, then, 
ויקרא לפניו, ככה יעשה לאיש, אשר המלך חפץ בעיקרו. כי הרב נוקי ואזו בשבילו עד basically, Shadit Aresha, and she dumped it on his head. But it turns out that Shadit Aresha Davua, she dumped it on her father's head. Dali Eine, she lifted up, he lifted up his head, or she looked up, Vechaza Davua, and now she realizes that it's her father. Nafla Meigra Laaro, she falls off the roof, Umeita, and dies. Vahainu Dichtiv, and that's what it says, after they complete this whole procession, and everything is done, it says there, Vayashav Mordechai El Shara Melech, he goes to back where he was before. And Aman rushes back to his house. Avel, a mourner, and a disheveled head or a bent down head, covered head. So now the Gemara explains why is that. He goes back to what he was doing before, which is his sackcloth and fasting. He was a mourning over his daughter who had been lost now. And his head was covered because of what had transpired here. Meaning that his daughter had dumped the stuff on his head. It says there that Aman tells So they respond to him. And one time it calls that his wife together with his loved ones. And then it says that they were the Chachamim. So they see these as being synonymous. And then, The title Chacham is not unique or relegated to the Jews. But there are Yesh Chochmah Begoyim. And therefore that someone who is a wise person that says something that is meaningful and makes sense, then they also called the Chacham. Why were they called Chachamim? Because of the advice that they give to Haman now. It says that the apostle continues and says, If he's from the descendant of the Jews, and that's who you've begun to fall down before him, you will not overcome him. You're going to completely fall to him. If he came from any other Shevet, You'd be okay. But, he's in one of these four shvatim, you will not overcome him. Because it says, your hand will be on the neck, or the nape of the neck of your enemies. And the other shvatim that we just mentioned here, which would be Yamin Ephraim because it says, before Ephraim bin Yamin you will. Kindle up your strength. You will bring your strength to bear, meaning that you're going to destroy the enemy. Why does it say nafol So I said, why does it say twice? Or the double language? This nation is compared to the dust of the earth as well as to the stars. When they're down and out, they go down to the dirt, the bottom of the bottom. 
But they, when they excel, and when they do good, they rise until the stars. Which actually is Minyana Dioma in Parshat Dvarim. When Moshe Rabbeinu says to people that you had all these petty complaints and you were making all this trouble, he says, and Hashem made you, He made you like the stars of the heaven. So there you can say the same thing. You have that contrast of the behavior of the people that they were being petty and they had all this litig- litigation going on. And that's why Moshe needs help. On the other hand, that they're Hashem made them like the Kochavim. So on one side you have their little petty quarrels, and on the other side of the they're like the Kochavim. So again, that's the contrast to this idea that they go Miktzei Alekzei. So while he's still speaking to Zeresh and his advisors, it says, They brought him in a rush. And as Rashi says, that he was didn't get a chance to you know shower or change. He came in with all the dirt dumped on him. And then we have now the, the story that continues where Esther now has him at the second party. And Akashverosh wants to know what's going on here. And she says, I want you to explain. Had we just been sold for slaves or servants, I wouldn't have said anything because it's not worth the king's time for this. But that's not what happened here. Someone has a plan to annihilate us, so therefore I had to speak up. Amrlo, Tsar Zeh, Eno Shoveh, Shoveh So now the Gemara reads that and says, Tsar, this Tsar, this pain, pain referring to Haman, is not worth it for the king to keep around. Ikne Bab Vashti Vikatla. He got jealous or upset of Vashti and he had her killed. That's based on the Midrashim that saw earlier that Memuchan was one of the advisors to Achashverosh in that incident, and the Gemara equates Memuchan with Haman. Now he's jealous of me. And he wants to kill me. If the Yachashverosh is speaking, why does the Megillah use the word Vayomer twice? If it's the same person speaking. Before that, they did it through a intermediary because she was not considered to be of royal lineage. After she explained that she's from the house of Shaul, of royalty, he speaks directly to her. She was really pointing at Hashverosh. And he turns her hand towards Haman. Meaning that she sees in Hashverosh, at least according to Chazal, somebody not much different than Haman. That he's just as willing, or even more willing, than Haman to annihilate the Jews, and he's just as happy to have it that way. So when she says "Ish Tzar Ve'Oyev," she's about to point to Achashverosh, and the Malach pushes it over to Haman. The king gets up in his anger. So he goes out. After he gets angry, he takes a walk outside, and then his return was like his leaving. Just like when he left, he was angry. When he came back, he was also angry. 
He goes outside and he sees Malachi Asherit that look like people. And they were uprooting the trees in his garden, in his beautiful orchard. What are you doing over here? Aman told us we should do this. That's why he was still upset at Aman. Why Aman told him to do this is not clear, but you could surmise it's because he wanted, he needed a very large tree on which to hang Mordechai. At uh, the Beite, so he came back into the house. And Aman was falling on the bed, on the couch, along with Esther. Now it says, again, here it uses nofel in the present tense. Instead of nafal, mi that he had already fallen. I mean, he was already on the bed. So what does it mean, nofel? That a malach came and forced him to fall on the bed. Amar, vaimi beta, vaimi baro. Whoa, in the house, whoa, outside? In that outside, you're having all my trees taken out. Over here, you're taking the queen with you? Then we have the story of Chavona. The king says to hang him on it. So Chavona speaks up all of a sudden. Chavona was part of the plan of Haman. He was just as happy to be along there with Haman. But then came in Shirash Lonit When he saw that Haman's plans weren't working out, things weren't going the right way, Miyad Barach, he was a fair weather friend. And he basically dropped him when he saw that Haman was not going to succeed. And now he flips over to the other side and he gives tells Akashvero, Shah, listen, we got this tree here that he wanted to hang Mordechai on. And that's what is meant in the Pasuk in Yoba Yeshlechalav Vilo Yachmo. They'll send it upon him without any mercy. From his hand, and they will take flight, and they will flee away. So the same thing happened over here. When things were going well for Haman, everybody was hanging on. But as soon as things didn't go well, they all took off. And that's what Chavona left him. And then the anger of the king was assuaged. So why is it in the Melech Shachacha, the Marcisa being plural, or two angers? So then what is that? Achat shalmalko shalolam v'achat shalachashverosh. It was because there were two angers that were assuaged over here. It was Akash Baruch the king of the world, and Melech Achashverosh. Barmilah, achat shalester v'achat shalvashti. When the others say that it was Esther and Vashti who had both been threatened or hurt by Haman. So you see here, again, the Gemara playing on this idea that the Melech in the... Megillah has a double reference. It references a Baruch Hu as well as Achashverosh. And Achashverosh is really just the messenger of a Baruch Hu and carrying out the plans of a Baruch Hu over here. Now the Gemara goes to Darshan about Yosef and the brothers. It says, He gives all of them a change of clothing. So Ben Yomini gives them five changes of clothing. So the says, I can't believe it. The same thing that caused Yosef all the trouble that he had. He's going to do it again. Because Because of the two sella worth of fine silk. 
that Yaakov added on to Yosef's cloak, that he gave him to an additional to what his brother's head, that's what caused or precipitated the problems between Yosef and his brothers and led us down to Mitzrayim. So over here, what does that mean that Mishkal Milat? We know that Yaakov gives Yosef a ketonet pasim. So what was unique about this ketonet pasim? So what the Gemara is suggesting over here is that it was Mishkal Milat. It had extra, extra to it. Now the extra to it can come in two places. One possibility is that it was a longer ketonet than the brothers had. Or the other possibility, which I've heard from Rav Yobinun, suggests over here that it was actually, he had longer sleeves. His sleeves went down to his hands or longer sleeves. The implication of both of these is the same, which is that the people who have the longer tunics and the ones who have the long sleeves are those that are not working. They are the supervisors. The one who's working can't have his tone it be too low and can't have his arms covered all the way down because it'll get ripped or ruined when he does that. So the working people roll up their sleeves, right, both literally and figuratively, and they make sure that their tonets off the ground are not too low down so it doesn't get ruined. So by his father giving him the longer tonet and the longer sleeves, then the implication is that he's going to be supervising them. He's not going to be the one doing the work, he's going to be the supervisor. That's what he does, actually. He sends them out when Yosef, he sends Yosef to go see how his brothers are doing. He sends them out to see them in Doitan. He says, go find out how your brothers are doing. And when they see him coming, they're like, oh, this, that dreamer is coming here. But basically, he's coming to supervise. He's coming to check up on us. He's coming to tell on us. He's going to do all those things. And that's this, milat, that the extra cloth that he had was indicative of the fact that he wasn't working. He wasn't part of them. But rather, he was some sort of supervisor, overseer of them. And that's the way Yaakov uses Yosef. So if that's what precipitated the whole problem here, why would Yosef go ahead and do the same thing again by favoring Binyamin? So Amar Rabbi Binyamin Bar Yefet, Remez Ramazlo. It was a Remez that he gave to him. Shatid ben So we a descendant of Binyamin who will go out before the king in the five clothes or glorious clothes of the royalty. Shemar, and that's Mordechai Yetzabil Vush Mahut, Tchelet, so on and so forth. So that is the Pazuk that we just read here about what is done to Mordechai. And that which is done for Mordechai was hinted to already by Yosef when he gave Chamesh Khalifot to Binyamin. Then continues with this story from Beshit, Vaipol al Tzavere Binyamin. When Yosef reveals himself to his brothers, it says that he falls on the necks of Binyamin, Achiv, his brother. How many necks did Binyamin have that he writes Savarei Binyamin in the plural? Rashi says that you should drop this from the Gears, it makes no sense. He says that there are many times throughout the Torah that the word Savarei is used in the plural form, and it, of course, just means the neck, and it's a poetic way to say it, and it doesn't have any meaning. But, at least the Gemara says here, Binyamin. He was crying, he was crying on the necks of Binyamin because the Beit HaMikdash is built in the area of Binyamin as well as Yehuda, but the major, the Kodesh HaKodeshim, the major areas in the site of the site of the Mikdash are in the area of Shevet Binyamin. And Yosef was crying on his neck to uh, symbolize the fact that these two Mikdashot or these that will be there, the Mikdashim that will be there will eventually be destroyed. And that's what he was crying about. And Binyamin cries on Yosef's neck. 
בחל משכן שלו, שעתיד להיות בחלקו של יוסף, עתיד להיחרב. That he was crying the other way around, that for the Mishkan that would be in Shiloh and be in the parts of Yosef, and then was going to be destroyed. So they're crying on each other's necks to represent the idea of the future destruction that will take place in those items that are found in their respective areas. So then Yosef says to his brothers, Your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Binyamin. I have nothing against, no grudge against Benjamin. So he had nothing to do with my being sold. He says, I have nothing against you as well. I mean, I don't hold a grudge against you. He says that the way that I am speaking, like my mouth is speaking to you, the way I'm speaking, that's what's in my heart. Sends the best of Mitzrayim. He sends up to his father. My mituv Mitzrayim. What are the best for the delicacies of Mitzrayim? Send him old wine. Which is pleasing to those that are older. Then his brothers come and fall before him. This is what people say. A fox in his time. Bow down to him. So says, If you read it, it should be this way, which is, That here you have, but the brothers and Yosef, their peers. So the fact that they bow down to him is not something exceptional. And why is he any different than his brothers that you should make a statement like that then when you have a fox in his time you should bow down to him. But that wasn't, shouldn't have been beneath their kavod or their dignity because they were peers. So the Gemara then amends the statement to say, no, this is what it means. When Yosef comes to see his father and when he's ill, it says there that he gets up and he bows down by the head of his bed. Then, a fox in his time, then you bow down to him. That's why Yaakov bows down to Yosef. Even though from the side of respect, Yaakov is his father, he doesn't need to bow down to him. But, says when the, the king is here, or the Mishnah Lamelech, and the fox is here, and he is in power, then you make sure to bow down to him. So Yosef consoles them and speaks to their hearts. He spoke to them words that are, make, put people at ease. Just like ten candles couldn't blow out one candle, meaning that the brothers who sold Yosef and tried to eliminate him didn't work. Nerachad, who's me, Yosef, I can't blow out ten candles. So that was how he was trying to calm them and put them at ease. Then the Gemara quotes the Pasuk that we say in Havdalah, the Pasuk from Megillah that says, Simcha Vsoson Vikar. And the Gemara is going to dash in the puzzle. What does that mean? I'm review the Ura Zutorah. Ura refers to Torah, Vikhain Huomer. And it says in Mishlei, Kiner Mitzvah Bitorah or that the candle is like a mitzvah and Torah is like the light. You see that the Ura must be referencing referencing Torah. Simcha Zeyomtov. The Simcha that's mentioned there is the celebration, the feasting. That's what it says. You should be happy on your holidays. Rejoice on your holidays through feasting. Sason zumila. The word sason references mila. So it says, I rejoice on your word as if I found some great booty. 
or great bounty. It happens to be the pasuk that we say in the Brit Milah. This is said by the per Mohel that's performing the Brit Milah. He says this pasuk. And the rejoicing here, al-imratecha, imratecha is as Rashi points out, because by the tzivoy of Milah, that was only given by the word vayomer, and not vayidaber. So there's an amirah. So the mitzvah that's given through an amirah is the mitzvah of Milah. And there it says sas about it, which the Gemara now equates to sason. Vikar elut filin. And that those things that are precious and give one kavod, that's the tefillin. That all the nations will see that God's name is upon you. And you, they'll be afraid of you. That's referencing the tefillin shalrosh. Over here you have a order that's written out in the Pasuk, which is Aidimaita Orav is Simcha Vasasan Vikar. Ora Zutora, Simcha is the Mishted, is the feast, or is, is uh the reference to Purim itself. Sason is a reference to the Milah, Vikar is a reference to the Tfilin. So it's interesting here is that this actually has halakhic implications, which is in Tafresh Tzadi Gimel, towards the end there, the Ramah comments about this is the Seder of Davening on that day, and he says Haga, kiyesh milah b'purim. When you have a brit milah on purim, malin etetino kodem kriyata migilah. Give him a brit milah before you read the migilah. So now if you look on the Mishnah Buru, he quotes, why? V'smakta l'zeh d'ekhtiv l'aydim ha'ita orav simcha v'sason. V'sason merameiz ala milah. So you see that sason is mentioned by the milah, and therefore you give the brit milah before you read the migilah. It says, Vaprach katav, Pichodosh wrote, the Yaktim Kriyatim Migilah. You put Kriyatim Migilah first. Vichain Mashma Bera Gra. And that sounds like what the Gra believes as well. Dimitamala Ramazit. Because he does not understand this Ramah over here. So first of all, this is consistent with the opinion of the Gra with regards to when you have a conflict between the mitzvah of Migilah and any other mitzvah, Migilah gets precedence. So of course you should read the Migilah before you do the Brit Milah. But it also, the Gra and the Brichodah seem to reject it, but also have to do with the Pasuk itself. The Pasuk itself says, which would imply Kriyata Torah. And then if you say that the Simcha references to Purim, then you have Sasson references to the Brit Milah, that would imply, and Vikar would be Tefillin, but it would imply that that should be the order. You should do Kriyata Torah, Brit Milah, and then... I mean, Kriyata uh, Torah, Kriyata Megillah, and then Brit Milah, based on the order in the Pasuk, which is, Edemayit Orov, Simcha, Vesoson, Vikar. So that's probably the basis for the belief of the Prichodosh and the Gro, that when it says here, Sason, right, does refer to Milah, but it might be after the Megillah, because of the Gemara's we learned earlier, again, when there's a conflict between the Mitzvah Megillah and other Mitzvot, we give precedence to the Megillah. And also the fact that in the order of the Pasuk, it has Orov as Torah, and then it has Simcha, which is Purim, Prior to Sason the Midah. Bed Parshan Dato, Aseret Bnei Haman, Amarav Adum in Yofo, Aseret Bnei Haman, Vaseret Tarech Lememrin, Ubenishima Achat. The ten sons of Haman, as well as the word Aseret at the end, you have to say that in one breath. My time, Says Kula Abadi Adodi, Nafkunishmatayu. They all passed away at the same moment. That's why you do it in one shot. Now the Beit Levi adds a big Torah here about this idea that you have to say a Benishima Achat. One of the points that he makes here, he makes it with regards to this Benishima Achat, and he also makes it with regards to Birkat Kohanim, which is that we have a principle in general, which is Shomea Kohane, that a person who listens to something is as if he is saying it, and he's Yotze. 
So you listen to someone read the Megillah, and therefore you're Yotze with the Megillah. Same thing with Birkat Koanim. A Koan could say the Birkat Koanim. Another Koanim can listen and be Yotze with the Brach of the individual. What he points out is that's only true with the core idea of something that has to be said or spoken over. But by both of these items, there's actually an additional requirement. By Birkat Koanim, there's a requirement on the Koanim that they do it with Koram. That they do it with a loud voice and they say it very loudly. So as far as Shomei Gona is concerned, the person who's saying it can transfer the actual saying of it to you. But he can't transfer to you, or what you can't be Yotze with his statement is the Kol Ram aspect of it, which is the fact that he says it loudly. Because that's a trapping that is not directly have to do with the actual words that come out, but it's an enhancement that you have to put onto it. So that enhancement cannot be accomplished through Shomei Kona. And therefore, when it comes to Birkat Kohanim, Every coin has to say the Birkat Kohanim. You can't do it the way of Shomei Kohanim because they all have a requirement of Koram. says the same thing is true here with regards to Neshima Achat by the Megillah. Why does the Chazan stop by here and then has the whole cow say it with Neshima Achat by themselves and then the person who's reading the Megillah continues afterwards? He says for the same reason. As far as the reading of the Megillah, you can be Yotze with that individual. But here you have an additional trapping which has to be done in Neshima Achat. Shema Achat, he can't pass on to you through Shomei Akeone, and therefore you have to read it yourself. So we stop over here to read it by ourselves to do the Nishima Achat aspect of it, which cannot be accomplished through Shomei Akeone. And based on that, that's how he explains our Minog to read the Aseret B'nai Aman ourselves until the Aseret B'nai Aman, and then have the Chazan go over it afterwards because Shomei Akeone would not suffice over here because of the requirement of Nishima Achat. So Rabbi Yochanan Vovdi Vaizato Tarikh le Mimtechabiskifa. The Vova Vaizato should be stretched out and stood up. Fakim or Daya Delivrut. And you have to lengthen out the Vov like a boat pole in the river of Livrot. And something very straight and upright. And the reason being because Kulo Bachadzikifa is Tikifu, because they're all hanged on a single pole or hanged one on top of each other in a single line. Therefore, you draw the vav very long to indicate that that was the way that they were put to death. And now the Gemara continues. All the shirot in the Torah are written with ariach is half of levena, half a brick. But you have writing, gap, writing, gap, writing. And underneath it, it's just the opposite. The gaps sit under the writing, and the writing sits in the empty spaces. So that's the way that a shiraz normally written in the Torah, which is that on the rows you have alternating between a writing space writing, and then the next line will be space writing space, and then the following line will be writing space writing. That's how you build it up, which you have these bricks that are raced, basically resting upon each other. Chutz, the exception to that, is shirazu, this song, this song referring to the Sons of Amman that are listed here, enumerated here, Umalchela Kanan, and the Malchei Kanan that Yoshua defeats, Shariach, Gabiariach, There are the empty spaces on top of the empty space, and the bricks are on top of the bricks. It's similar to the way that Hazinu is laid out in the Torah. My Taima, Malpotan, that there should be no getting up to their destruction or to their falling. So here, if they were knocked down, we don't want to be put up. So we have it in a row, in a stacked row, so when they fall off, there's nowhere to go back to. So it gives, them the, it gives Esther the tally of the individuals that were killed by the Jews in Shushanabira. 
Rebel Malmed Shabbat Malach Vistachu Alpiv. Malach came and smacked him in the face. And then you have this statement about Vayomer Lamelech Lester. He gives her the report about Shushan. So the idea that the Malach slapped in the face was because he was actually coming to accuse her and say, look what you guys did. And he was angry about what happened in Shushan Abiram. So Malach comes and slaps him to change his mind about it and say, okay, you know, uh, what, what do you want to do about this? So why does it say, when it comes before the Melech, Amar, why is it Amar? So it's Amar, Amra mi She should be speaking. So Amar Yochanan, Amra lo, Yomar bepeh, mashakatu besefer. That you have to say over what's written in the Sefer. So that you have to, or what, the suggestion over here is that, that you read a mitochaktav. You have to say over whatever is written in the Megillah itself. I mean, it's not enough just to have it written, but you have to read the Megillah, and you have to tell over this story of Purim. And then the Megillah ends, Divrei Shalom Ve'emet. Which is actually that a safer Torah requires sirtut, which is you have to draw the lines on the cloth in order to write the letters and you hang them from that line. The same thing is true by the Megillah. So wait, they kept the word or what Esther wanted. So Nagmar says, Mamar Esther in divrate samot lo. Because there the Pasuk says, Divrait Somot Vizakatam. And then Mamar Esther, Kiyam. And then it says that they were Mekayim. So what was that word seems to only reference the Mamar Esther and not reference the other part, which is the Divrait Somot Vizakatam. So Gemara wants to understand why is it that they accepted what Esther said, but they didn't accept the Divrait Somot Vizakatam. So Gemara says, no, you misunderstood how to read the Pasuk, but rather, so Amar Rabbi Yochanan, no, Rabbi Yochanan says, no, you should read it this way. Divrei HaTzomot, um Amar Esther Kiyam, that they keep the both the Divrei HaTzomot, the Zakatam, and the Mamar Esther came. It's not just referencing the Mamar Esther, it's referencing everything that is written in that, when it says in that Pasuk, the final Pasuk in the ninth parak, um Amar Esther Kiyam, Divrei HaPurim HaElev, and Ichtab Sefer. It's not just referencing Mamar Esther, but also that from which is the Pasuk before, which is So, the Mar wants to know that they only kept the Mamar Esther, but they didn't keep the Divrei Tzomot Vazakatam, and the Mariochana says no. When it says Mamar Esther Kiyam, that statement references both of those items beforehand. Then it says, Mar says, what does it mean the Rovechav? How come only the majority of the people liked him? Why didn't everybody like him? That part of the Sanhedrin left him because he had joined the government and that he was involved in these mundane matters. So therefore they distanced him, they pushed him out. So you see over here that the part of the Sanhedrin says that his choice was an incorrect choice here. And the Gemara is now going to bring parallels to that or comparisons here to see what would have been a good choice or not going to be a good choice. Very interesting here, the Ebenezer writes, by about Ratzui the Rovechav, the Ebenezer on the Megillah writes, that Ratzui the Rovechav shows that he was a good leader. Mordechai was a good leader. He says, because anybody who is Ratzui the Kolechav, you can know that he's not a good leader. A good leader gets the majority of the people are happy, and he has to upset some people. If you're pleasing everybody, then you're not doing a good job. 
That's why it says, Ratzua the Rovechav, that was a compliment to Mordechai, because that's the proper way in leadership. It's now, the Gemara says, Amar of Yosef, Gadol Tamut Torah, Yoter Matzalat Nefashot. Learning of Torah is bigger or greater than saving lives. Because originally Mordechai is listed after the four individuals. Afterwards, later on, he's listed after five individuals. In the beginning of Ezra, when it talks about the Aliyah of Zerubavel to Eretz Yisrael, it says, These are the people that went with Zerubavel. Yeshua, Nechamia, Sraya, Relaya, Mordechai, he's the fifth one here, Bilshan. Later on in Nechamia, when it repeats this list from the Zubavel, it says there, Abayim in Zubavel, Yeshua, Nechamia, Azario, Ramyo, Nechamani, and then Mordechai, who is listed now as number six, rather than number five. So Bilshan, and then Bilshan at the end. So you see that he was pushed back. Now, as Rashi notes over here, it's not so clear from the stories, because both of them are enumerating the Aliyah's Rubavel. But the first one is enumerated at the time of Koresh, when Koresh gives in the first year of his reign, gives permission for them to go up to build the Mikdash. That's the first time it's enumerated. The next enumeration is in the seventh year of Daryavish, when Ezra makes Aliyah with the remainder of the Golah that he brings up. This is post the building of the Mikdash. Because in the second year of Daryavish Hashini, they're given permission to finish off the Mikdash. And then, in the seventh year, Ezra goes up with the remainder of the Golah to Eretz Yisrael. This is the way Chazal view it. That means that the story of Purim takes place between those two incidents. And what happened in that time period? That time period, Mordechai switched from being a part of the Sanhedrin, part of the Ayin Zekinim, and he becomes a minister in the government of Achashverosh. So in the enumeration, the first time to the second time, Mordechai's position is lowered because of that. Because Talmud Torah led him to be enumerated as number five. But when he had to do Hatzalat Nefashot, then he gets enumerated as number six. Amarav, v'yitemarav shmur bar marta, gadol Talmud Torah yoter mi binyan beit mikdash. The Talmud Torah is even greater than the building of mikdash. Kuzgoman se baruch benir yakayam. As long as baruch benir was alive, lo inichu ezra v'ala. Ezra does not leave Babel and go up to Eretz Yisrael. So once Baruch Veneria passes away, then and only then does Ezra go up to Babel. And in the meantime, when Ezra gets there, the Mikdash is already completed. So he stayed back to learn by his Rebbe, Baruch Veneria, rather than to go up to Eretz Yisrael and be a participant in the building of the Beit Mikdash. So that's what you see. You see that? Gadol, Talmud Torah, Gadol is the learning of Torah, rather than Binyan, Beta, Mikdash. And then, as Rashi points out here, all of those Nivuot that Baruch has, Bishnat Shtayim Le'edayavish Bavel, Hayam Mitnabeh V'Sholech Sarim Le'Yushalayim. He had those Nivuot in Bavel, and he was sending up the messages to Yushalayim to the people building the Mikdash, because it makes it sound there like he's in Yerushalayim. The Rashi says, no, he was really in Bavel sending up the Nevoah to Yerushalayim. And that's why Ezra stays by him in Bavel until he passes away. And once he passes away, then Ezra makes Aliyah to Eretz Yisrael. But that's already post the rebuilding of the Mikdash. That learning of Torah is even greater than Kibbut Aveim. Shekolotan shanim sheyakov avinu bebeit ever lo neanash. All those years that Yaakov learnt in the Beit Midrash of Aver, he was not punished for that. Tamamar, and then 
We're going to go through that calculation tomorrow as to how we know that, first of all, Yaakov was in the Beit Midrash of Aver for 14 years and how we know the fact that he was not punished for those 14 years because it's going to take us the rest of the parak to finish that off. So we'll do that tomorrow morning. Okay, we'll stop over here.